You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll talk with two filmmakers and artists about an installation exploring collective mourning in a time when we're more isolated than ever. Whose city is it? Who do we need to be memorializing in our public spaces versus maybe who we've been used to seeing in those places? Yeah, it's not specifically about like the YBCA gardens, about being in a downtown urban area and who who do we usually see um, magnified and monumentalized and what kind of experiences have been monumentalized uh, in downtown kind of urban spaces and flipping that and thinking about who the other people there who have been there all along and what they might have to say. I'm Laura Wenis and this is Civic. Before we get started... At the Public Press, which is Civic's parent organization, we've been working really hard during this pandemic to pursue angles we're not seeing much coverage of elsewhere, or to take a more systemic look at the issues that are surfacing in the headlines. The San Francisco Public Press is a nonprofit, and we're inspired by the public radio model. That's the idea that people who are able to support the work that we do so everyone can have access to it without paywalls or ads. If you think we're onto something, we'd very much appreciate if you could show your support. You can do that by going to sfpublicpress.org slash donate or by helping us get the word out about this show. Subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use or leave us a review. It really does help. So thanks. If you go to Yerba Buena Gardens right now, you'll see photography, video, glass paintings, poetry and projections displayed to the outside world on the walls of the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts. It's part of an installation called Morning is an Act of Love part of the Art Center's collaboration with the SF Urban Film Fest. Artists used non-traditional forms of documentary film to explore concepts like memorials, grief, and public experiences and spaces. I sat down with documentary filmmaker Susie Smith, who curated the exhibit, and filmmaker and cinematographer Melinda James, to talk about these ideas in more depth. So thinking about this installation, Morning is an Act of Love, Susie, you've pointed out that connection right now has been confined pretty much to virtual spaces. So we don't really have much of an opportunity to mourn together. I'm hoping you could both talk a little bit about how that's shown up in your lives and how you see it affecting our collective experiences during the pandemic. For me, not being able to mourn um, during the pandemic is, it's, it's actually was for me a little bit like abstracted. I have like had a lot of death in my family and friends in the last like seven years. And the, I know that the main way that I dealt with it um, that felt constructive was really, you know, sharing stories and being with people and that kind of collective process. And I'm not really um, involved in any kind of like religious ritual I would say, but I really did see um, with all of the mourning, you know, we had several parents die and a sibling die and just how important it was for community and like hearing other people's stories and being there and like hearing how important that person was to me, how being able to collectively mourn is really important. So as the pandemic hit and people started like just dying so much death, Uh, I just felt like my heart kind of was breaking for people, not being able to connect. So that was kind of my first impetus about what is mourning right now. And then I think that um, with the exhibit, what we 
kind of, and I think really like last summer with the um, uprising about because of George Floyd and others, I really, it really felt like it's not just that personal lack of mourning that was happening. It's really a collective experience and people were going out into the streets because there needed to be collective mourning spaces or happening. And I feel like that was one of the ways, I mean, obviously it's not just mourning, it's a lot of anger, it's uprising, it's a lot of things. Yeah, I, I think that there's a certain part of the mourning that we have to do as a group and that with the film festival, so much of what we're talking about is public spaces and how we interact in our public spaces and build that. So I really was thinking a lot about, therefore, memorials and monuments. And, you know, we've seen monuments being pulled down and that's this kind of more collective, like our society thinking about how we mourn. Um, yeah. And I also know that one of the ways that I dealt with mourning and connection is talking to Melinda all the time. So I'll let her talk. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I, I think after what Susie was saying, it's like the, the pandemic has shifted the ways that we are able to mourn the ways that we come together um, collectively and as a, as a, a community. And I, I think for me, looking at mourning as, as something that happens and as grieving as something that happens because we have come to like love and care about people in this way kind of, I think, helped with feeling so alone in that emotion um, or, or I think also feeling the, the heaviness of it. Um, and I, I think what it did was actually help me come to understand how this these heavier feelings or this this act of grieving is is also this process of love. And when when you kind of think of it in that context, it feels more expansive than it does, I think, kind of lonely or, or restrictive. And that was another way that I have found being able to connect, I, I think, through all the distance and all the space that we had experience, like especially during the height of the pandemic when we couldn't leave our homes. And I, I just feel like it's it's just been an, an entire transformation of how we can connect in this in this new way. And especially around these acts of 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 gathering in these like physical spaces where we can't really do that or we're starting to be able to do that again. So it's it's what are these rituals or practices, like Susie was mentioning, the sharing of stories as a way of remembering or feeling close to to those that we have lost or, or still thinking of other ways that we can honor them through this through this time. Yeah, and, and I wanted to talk more about that that act of gathering and, and being in public places because this is this is an installation that people can go see after such a long time of being confined kind of to our own spaces and doing everything virtually because it's you know, you can see it from the outside, you can go and actually gather there. This 
is part of the SF Urban Film Fest, and the theme there is wisdom lives in places. What's the meaning and the wisdom in the place where these works are installed and where people can go experience them? Yeah, I mean, I think the wisdom lives in places came out of the film festival, you know, thinking about getting through the pandemic. It's not so much about techno, like something new, you know, there was this like reinvention kind of idea that especially like here in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley, kind of this like everything like tech is going to save us. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what we need to do to make our streets, our places better. And sometimes we're just not asking the right people or thinking of the right knowledge. So it's not about like disruption all the time. That's what it yep. was. Yep. <sighs> Everybody was like, we're, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's more about like thinking about bringing other people with solutions to the table. So in that place in at YBCA, the wisdom that's there, I mean, I think in some ways it's about bringing in different voices that maybe to those outside windows. And so it's like, a, who are the voices that maybe have, were already here that are now we can show up in that mm-hmm. wall? Um, I usually really do like to work in a very uh, site-specific manner. I would say this is one of my least site-specific <laughs> projects in that it's an installation in those windows, but it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say the art is definitely a a super related to like downtown San Francisco. It's really a more of an international actually perspective, but all being brought down into the downtown physical space to gather or not necessarily to gather, just to experience it and think about like whose city is it? Who do we need to be memorializing in our public spaces versus maybe who we've been used to seeing in those places. Yeah. It's not specifically about like the YBCA gardens. It's about being in a downtown uh, urban area and who, who do we usually see um, magnified and monumentalized and what kind of experiences have been monumentalized uh, in downtown kind of urban spaces and Mm -hmm. maybe and flipping that and thinking about who the other people there who have been there all along and what they might have to say. And to that degree, I think a lot of, you know, the, the actual artists represented the, I don't know if there's any white dudes that have made art. I don't, maybe some of the New Yorker <laughs> films are white dudes, white cis dudes. But uh, other than that, everything is for sure. I, I don't have the exact numbers, but I think it's like 90% queer, BIPOC, <laughs> et cetera, included in the artwork. Yeah, Melinda, do you want did you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I I think it's I mean, when we were having conversations about the insulation and kind of um like the work that that goes up there, it, I think it was just about this idea of of monuments. I know with with my piece I was having a hard time imagining how it could feel monumental. I I just kept thinking like it it didn't feel anything like that, but I when talking with Susie, it really shifted my my perspective around like this idea of monuments and memorials, where they get built, um, who gets access, who has access to the resources to build them, who gets to be seen, where do monuments go up, where do they live? And like Susie mentioned, even though this isn't necessarily site 
specific. It is in a location where people do pass by and, and frequent. It's like an opportunity to make space for these different perspectives and experiences and, and, and forms of art um, and put them up in a, in a really large scale way to monumentalize the work, the message, the, the people in the, in the art themselves that I think um, don't always, aren't always represented in this way, especially when we think about the idea of like monuments throughout history, especially American history. Yeah, when I think about monuments, I, I think of something heavy and permanent, but there's also memorials and monuments that decay, like, you know, flowers that people leave at the site where somebody's died. And I think a lot of the work in these installations, and of course, you know, the exhibit itself is not permanent. And it asks the viewer or the participant to feel that and to think about that kind of the fleeting nature of moments and what happens after they pass. Also the way that places change. So I wanted to ask how both of you are considering and exploring the passage of time and the nature of memory in the work that can be seen here. That's a really good question. I guess the way that I think about it is thinking about what happens to our bodies during certain experiences. So even though, mm. and I, I think about like different rituals that, that cultures perform where, you know, I, I guess um, things aren't like permanent in the way of like they're cast in stone or they're cast in bronze or or these materials that, that are hardened and, and kind of last through time, but more so that there are these, these rituals that might involve, um, I don't know, they could involve like song or they could involve sharing images or they could involve dance or or storytelling and even though there is no actual like permanent sculpture or or some kind of um structure being made there is this experience that's happening to our bodies that's happening happening internally to our atoms i think that has like a permanent shift and that we carry those things with us uh, throughout our day to day, and that as those things shift us um, as humans and as people, um, I think the other people that we continue to interact with in our lives then have received some of some of that change. So I, I think of permanence in in that way of like what happens to us internally that we may not see, but we like feel and recognize. And how does that shape how we interact with with the rest of the world, or like come to understand, or come to empathize, or come to honor or, or share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, this, this, the idea, I don't really have a great answer for like, how memorials should be. And if like, I mean, it, it's kind of like one of these things, like when you like go off into space in the shower and like, are just thinking and I'm like, well, what do I think about permanence? Like, all mm. I feel like so much art and particularly like film is about memory and I mean I maybe I say film because that's my <laughs> main medium um and with Melinda as well like memory it's just all all about what we're so there's this like memory portion of memorialization and then there's like these like physical acts in space of doing some like a ritual of either visiting a place or just like physically feeling things like rituals of our ways of memorializing and 
Um, I think that there's this whole, like we, we, one of the things that we curated for the festival was a talk and um, Brian C. Lee was really talking a lot about like New Orleans and like when you, when you're a population that doesn't have a permanent place or has been displaced, you might performance is your kind of memorial in a, in a different way. And that gets carried mm. on from person to person. So it yeah. might not be like a physical marble permanent, like European esque mm. idea. But I also think that um, like having these sites that are in some ways, quote unquote, permanent is really important. And yeah, I don't have an answer. So I think that like by doing this, I wanted to kind of think about the differences in those. And I think that like the work by um, Ada Pinkerton, I think that's her last name, Pinkston. Um, Pinkston. Pinkston, sorry. Yeah. Ada's work is so interesting because it's really, it's like the site is changing and she's doing these like dance performances and that we have both photos and video of like, first and foremost, she's a performance artist. Um, and so the, the photos and then the videos that she makes are kind of outgrowths of that, but they are performances on pedestals of Confederate monuments that have been pulled down in mostly the American South. And I feel like that is like, there's this site that has this meaning that's very different for very different people. And then we go there and we act out like she's acting out a response to that space. And I mm -hmm. feel like that's so interesting because it, you know, in, in some ways that's what all memorials, they're just a place that you go act out and it, not just not to say you're just acting, but you are just going back to what Melinda's saying. You're going to that place to perform something inside of you, and that's where you go and gather. And it, it almost it doesn't have to be a statue of a person, right? But it is important for us to have these places that somehow we've given meaning that we can gather and show these things to each other. It's still like our collective consciousness space. I don't know. <laughs> I'm speaking with filmmakers Susie Smith and Melinda James about the installation Morning is an Act of Love at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts through May 10th. Thinking about places and, and ritual as memorializing also makes me think more about the theme of wisdom living in places um, and about the way that <laughs> places change both of you have looked at gentrification in your work and we've sort of like almost approached that topic in this conversation so far, but can you talk about how that intersects with mourning and with the idea of, you know, the wisdom of places? Yeah. I mean, I definitely do a lot of, I don't know about do a lot of work. I think I have been thinking a lot about gentrification in all of the things that I do for a long time. Actually, Melinda and I went to grad school together and it was a it's social documentations at UC Santa Cruz and my, um, which is basically a documentary film that's like meant to be deeply rooted in community. And so mine was about my like subject matter that I had to kind of really, basically it's like minoring and something was um, urban 
studies, gentrification. Uh, and I made a like short film about Cesar Chavez Street in San Francisco and mm-hmm. urban planning history there. Um, so I am always thinking about, yes, cities change, but uh, they aren't just blank slates. I mean, it's interesting because, okay, so like mourning and like acknowledging place and the history of a place, I think is really, it doesn't, I mean, mourning, it, it's, it doesn't always mean like Melinda and I talked about it a lot is like showing that you love something and that you appreciate it. Uh, and it's really interesting because like that can also be turned around in gentrification. And I think it's a, like one of the bigger uh like conundrums we're in right now, like you can turn Mission Street, you can redo all the grates to uh, the street grates to have like, I for, what are they called? The Mexican cutout patterns. You can acknowledge okay, the Latino or Latinx culture that has been there, but if they're not still there, then it becomes almost just like, it's like if the queers can't live in the Castro anymore, what's the rainbow sidewalk going to do for us? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a part of mourning and acknowledgement that can become part of gentrification, I think. Uh, and there's a whole, like, I know there's a whole body of study on that kind of idea, but I do think that it's important to say like, this place is not a blank slate for you to just come and change and do whatever you want to like mm. there. It has a history and that history is like, it matters basically. And so often with gentrification, entire histories of like the communities that were thriving is being completely just erased. So it's good to at least have some beginning starts of mourning. I think it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a a hard thing to talk about. I was just, as you were explaining, I was thinking about um, how I would talk about it and yeah, I don't I don't know if I have much more to add to that other than like this theme of mourning as an act of love and how does that relate to gentrification is that I mean, it makes me think about the short documentary I did about Oklahoma's black mm-hmm. and and that was, you know, we filmed that Tatiana and I filmed that Tatiana Fazalizade who's also one of the artists featured in the installation we went to Oklahoma City and on where she's from and on the northeast side of Oklahoma City is um, where a significant population of like black folks live and they're currently experiencing gentrification in a real way where that like on the opposite side of these railroad tracks there's um, just like there's like uh, this area that's white and affluent and kind of buying up homes and and building their cute shops and things. Um, and meanwhile, on the other side of the tracks, there are these these uh, places and locations. And some of them are like where Tatiana frequented when she was a child and they're kind of boarded up or their signs are kind of just, you know, um, falling apart over, over the years. And at some point, those those spaces are going to be bought up and either like torn down or just remodeled so that only like a, a shell or the actual like lot where this place has existed will remain. And, um, and I think, again, it's, it's like something with this idea of memory that even though this 
physical space will be destroyed or built built over or built upon that the memory that you keep and the stories that you tell all of these things which are like rooted in love is is the way that it's definitely not a way that you like combat gentrification but it's one way that you can still like even know that even though that these things happen and will happen um especially in like marginalized and uh communities that that there's still a way that you can be resilient even in the face of of something like gentrification i feel like it's like just because you're not winning like the capitalism war doesn't mean that you didn't matter right like that to me that's almost like the big thing like what you're, you know just because like okay well you're boarded up and you're now other people are going to come in because of this weird world we live in <laughs> of capitalist basically and racism just because you don't you're not coming you know just the history is written by the winners thing is kind of it's just basically so it's kind of this saying like you matter like we we have to tell our stories we can mourn the things that were there we can we can monumentalize things that are not always going to last permanently like a big marble statue like we still yeah to me it's a giant basically but in love here are the things that i love i love the people that make my life through the pandemic meaningful that i miss and i'm going to make that really big right like that's like what melinda a lot of what you're doing in your work right like i like this is the things that matter to me right now and that are the most important those connections to other humans so i'm going to make something that's really big that shows that with love and then i'm like yeah and that's a to everybody else on this on dl that's what it is <laughs> resilience and love and some attitude <laughs> oh god sorry <laughs> <laughs> well thank you both for talking with me about this um and i i think um i think we have to leave it there just for for time's sake but if you want to say any last things about where people can see this and what they should expect um now's the time so you can see the exhibit on the walls and windows of YBCA. It went up on February 14th, speaking of the love. I would say the best time to go see it is right around sunset when all of the videos are playing, projected very large on kind of the inside the garden area of YBCA mm -hmm. near Buena Gardens. And you can see all the videos in the windows. And I, we have like 20 different artists, I would say, represented around. Um, there's wonderful photography and drawings and video and Melinda's installation art and poetry that talks about, it's really about who are we memorializing? Who do we love? How do we remember each other and connect in this time and memorialize what made us strong? Mm. Great. Well, Melinda and Susie, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That was filmmaker Melinda James and Morning is an Act of Love curator Susie Smith at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts through May 7th. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. 
Civic is produced at KSFP-LP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. Our theme music is by John Dillon. Our team includes producer and contributor Mel Baker and assistant producer Liana Wilcox. KSFP is a project of the San Francisco Public Press, a nonprofit investigative newsroom. Find our reporting at sfpublicpress.org.